Hello, and welcome back to the Black Joy Archive. I'm your host, Mackenzie Riverfoy. I'm a producer, writer, and documentarian working from the heart of Charm City. That's right, it's East Baltimore. In this episode of the Black Joy Archive, we're examining the history and culture of Philadelphia's Black Star Film Festival in the wake of its 12th run in 2023. After speaking with the festival's founder, Maori Carmel Holmes, I spoke with someone else who's been there since the beginning, Nahad Kader. Nahad is a curator, filmmaker, and writer born and raised in Philadelphia. She is the founding curator of the DC Palestinian Film and Arts Festival and has been programming and producing films since 2011. This year, she led the programming team for Black Star Film Festival. Listen in as I chat with Nahad about the lineup of films she helped curate for this year's fest and her perspective on the necessary synergy between history and film. Buckle in for another trip into the Black Joy Archive. Nahad, thank you for, for joining me today. I love Black Star. I've been going to Black Star um, for a few years. So can we start with just a little background on you? I'm curious how you got your name. Um, my name, Nihad, is actually the first name of my maternal grandmother and my paternal aunt. They didn't know each other, but back in the motherland of Palestine, my aunt was named after my grandmother, but they didn't know each other. They were like neighbors or their families were neighbors. And then um, a lot of stuff happened after that, including, you know, they were ethnically cleansed from their homeland and lived in different countries and all of that. And then my mom and dad met in another country many years later, decades later by chance. And so they named me we had after my grandmother and my aunt. Mom, mom. That's very destined. That feels very destined. Yes. <laughs> so I'm, I'm also struck by your background as a historian. Can you talk a bit about that connection between history and film and maybe why Black Star fits so neatly between the two? Yeah, I mean, I think stories and storytelling has the potential to fill a lot of gaps of history particularly when it's outside of what's, you know, officially sanctioned or officially told as what history is. That really is the connection. I think storytelling in general, but in this case, filmmaking has the ability to retell history, fill in a lot of the gaps that we find. Um, And in fact, at the festival this year, uh, we're looking at the idea of critical fabulation as a way that filmmakers at Black Star this year and in the past as well have created an archive in order to fill the gaps that history, official history leaves. So certainly that is a connection. It also, because uh, cinema has this very potentially powerful emotional component to it, that that's an, a really incredible medium to retell history because it has the ability to move us in a way uh, that not all other mediums necessarily can. So what are some films that have inspired your craft and imagination uh, as a filmmaker? Oh, that's tough. So many. I think about uh, Haile Garima's documentary, The Wilmington Ten. Um, He does something really interesting with the way that he introduces the 
characters that I think is meant to sort of challenge you as an audience, challenge what you are thinking, challenges um, any preconceived notions you may have had about the people you're seeing on screen. That's a film that I always think about in terms of it's done something new, it's done something different, and, and that is a film that focuses on history. So I would say that's one of them. There is a film that uh, Terrence Mann screened at Black Star called They Charge for the Sun. And that's incredible because it sort of is this like sci-fi futurist way of looking at the world. But when you're watching the film, you realize at the end of it that if this were to be true, then there's like, there's a black liberation implicit within this world that he created within the story. And that is really, I mean, that, I remember when we showed it in the, in the theater, people were people stood out of their seats and were clapping. I mean, <laughs> people were very moved by this. Um, Nuatama Badomo's Afronauts, I think about that film all the time. Also in terms of rewriting a history, the way that she de depicted gender in that film, the way that she depicted this like scientific exploration, the space program, and just the conversations that that uh, came out of that, the script, the way that the characters were interacting with each other. That's also been a really inspiring film. There's so many I can... This year, our opening night film by Adura Onashile. I hope I didn't get her name wrong, but the film is called Girl. And it's a mother-daughter story. It's a feature narrative film. It's so impeccably well shot. And... What everybody will tell you, when I was talking to people internally who have seen the film, everybody was talking about these like really witty nuances, these very careful silences. Oh my goodness, what a beautiful and inspiring film. I mean, there's so much I can go on and on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that, I mean, naturally when you, when you love films, you know, of course, and you've yeah. seen as a, a curator, as a programmer, you've probably seen so many so i i so appreciate that i appreciate that i'm also a big fan of terrence nance uh Nuitama Badomo. um their their works generally leave me speechless and wanting to like i want to touch someone after i want to be like hey can we can we ch check in like what did we just see so yes. yeah I, I love that you have in your bio that you were trained in media and literature by black and palestinian creators can you tell me about that? Like, what was that training? What was that training like for you? Uh, I think, you know, in the traditional sense, we could say that that was a school training, you know, a specialized like university. But um, I think beyond that, you know, you, you don't get everything in that sort of official strain of uh, education. So, you know, beyond that, it's a lot of reading, a lot of reading sort of, I, I'm, I'm a big consumer of fiction, but um, a lot of it is reading criticism and critique um, and thinking deeply on the contribution of, say, literary stories to what we were talking about earlier, filling the gaps of history. But then also it's a lot of looking at documentaries and, you know, even fiction works of film, but to really kind of hone in on the history of how these arts 
came to be, how these, you know, any art movements related to them, how they sort of organized themselves, how they functioned within the state. I studied about that a lot, the relationship of the artist to the state, particularly in situations of authoritarian rule, how authoritarianism uses art in order to gain some of its legitimacy. Um, so th those are sort of like the areas and the ways that I delved into that that kind of history. Yeah, yeah. How did you come to join the Black Star team? So um, in 2012, I was living in D.C. when Mayuri started Black Star. And I love Philly. I love all things Philly. When I knew that there was going to be this film festival happening, I signed up to volunteer because I wanted to be involved in some way, but I couldn't, you know, with like living in another city, your level of engagement can only be very limited. So volunteering was the best thing I could do. And so I volunteered the first three years, I think, of the festival, um, 2012, 2013, 2014. And then, you know, and Mayori is a friend. And in that time, we built closer friendship. In fact, when I was in D.C., um, while I was in D.C., we built a closer friendship. We share a best friend. We often fight over who's best friend he actually is, but that's a really great way. It's a really great entryway to becoming friends with somebody is like, you know, your best friend really loves this person. From there, you know, in 2015, I had a lot more of the capacity to support her with the, with the festival and the programming. And, you know, it was uh, a moment where she was welcoming that kind of support. It was just that I just like wanted to help her make it happen. And so I got involved more than just as a volunteer. And for years, it was a labor of love, just like all of us coming back every year, um, trying to make it happen. It's just an incredible gathering of people that happens in Philly every year. And we were really happy to just contribute to that. And so I was programming from 2015 on, and I loved it so much. And we were just talking about like, what if this could be a job? Like, what if this could be the work that we do? And people really loved it. So it felt like there was a desire for this to be, to, to be more rooted. And so Mary did a lot of work <laughs> to get the money together, to be able to create, you know, to make it official, turn it into a, an official organization where folks are like, properly paid and have benefits and all of that. And so in 2020, you know, it became Black Star Projects. Um, and so beyond the festival, we were able to do a lot of things that for years we were like dreaming about and talking about, you know, like we want a publication, we want a podcast, we want a seminar. Um, and so when, when you have the money and the capacity to be a staff, uh, then you're able to dedicate that time and energy to making those things happen. And so it's like, Honestly, people say they don't dream about work, and I get that, but this has been a dream <laughs> come true. Right. Um, like, well, I, I do dream of this. So. <laughs> I, I, you know, I don't dream about work, but um, <laughs> but this is, a, this is such a beautiful, it's, it really is like a beautiful community. It's really hard work um, because we strive so much to be thoughtful about everything, and we make mistakes. I just like know you know, I do not want to be, I want to be very honest and serious about that. I think everybody, you know, is always making mistakes. And as we grow, 
you know, but we do try as hard as possible to be very thoughtful and welcoming and we sent her radical hospitality. So it's a beautiful challenge every year as it gets bigger, um, it becomes more of a challenge, but we're just, yeah, we're really happy that people love it so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's excellently programmed every year without fail. Like it's a, a gift. So thank you. Thank you. And the, and the real gift is the filmmakers and, and their visions and the, and the work that they do. Um, it's a really expensive art form. It costs so much. And it's really, it takes a lot of a high level of organization. In addition to the high level of creativity, a lot of vetting, like critique. Um, and it's not easy to share it because it is, it is an art form that's not always, but a lot of times it's shared in a public forum and everybody has their thoughts about it so the filmmakers are just like really brave really courageous really creative and there there are some avant-gardists they are like constantly breaking the form and restructuring it they're constantly just i'm always so surprised when i see these films like i just i i'm floored i'm always floored like i had no idea you could do this but you're doing it yeah yeah no i i definitely appreciate that experimental like i guess undercurrent that's that's it throughout black star as like i i have made experimental films in the past and like you said it's so hard to share because you're as you said you're breaking the form you're doing something different and people you know because of what hollywood has has done to folks's expectations of like what a film is it can be just hard to receive, which partially is, is valid. Like it's a form of film literacy, right? Like if if I'm used to seeing this type of film, then something that is far different, even if it's not experimental and it's just like from a different part of the country is literally difficult to like understand. So I, I think it, there's like a community that's like, has a really strong like literacy around film uh, to like be able to bring both experimental and like global films into the same space and like ugh, I just I just love it. I it expands my 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 idea of what's possible every time um I go. So it's great. How have you seen it evolve over time? So cuz you've been there from 2012 all the way all the way through. It's really grown. I mean, it has really grown. <laughs> and now, you know, oftentimes I travel and people in other parts of the world are like, oh, Black Star, you know, and that is really too, I think the last three years have been particular touch points of evolution and change. You know, in 2020, we were like, what are we going to (laughs) do? And um, we thought, okay, let's do this virtual thing rather than, rather than not doing the festival this year, let's try to do it in this completely different format, having no idea what that would produce, but it ended up doing two major things. Number one, it really expanded the reach of Black Star. All of a sudden, there were people across the world who have a virtual past and they're watching the films and they're engaging and they're watching the Q&As that at the time we were pre-recording. And so it just like really expanded the audience. Um, I think we had an international audience before that, but it made that international audience have so much easier access to everything. And then that's the second piece that changed is 
because we were in people's homes in 2020 and in 2021, it meant that we started thinking a lot more seriously about access and accessibility and like, what does that mean? And in what ways have we been inaccessible in the past? And how can we really be a festival that is for all of our community? And that includes folks with disabilities. We have tried to really bolster our accessibility offerings and our accessibility program. We now publish a full accessibility guide. We do um, in-house audio description trainings for films because we found that there aren't a lot of black and brown audio describers. And so like a lot of times with films, you need folks who are audio describing it to be culturally attuned to what is being presented on screen. So that is a program that we're now leading. We've done two of those. There's a lot of evolution that's happening and it's gonna continue to happen. And I hope just in a generative way, always. I love that. Could you talk to me a bit about your role as festival director and like, what does that involve? Yeah, I feel like I could break it down into two sort of primary components. The one is around programming. So we we believe in working in community. And so we program in community. So we have program committees that are focusing on each of the five categories of the festival. And those folks are coming from all over the world too. We try to make we try to make our program committees also reflect um, the types of films that we're receiving, the places that we're getting these films from, and sort of like different ways of thinking about programming. And so I lead that process and the process of selecting the films along with these incredible programmers that work with us every year. And then there's the film selection and the curation and the scheduling and all of that, you know, Q&A moderations, that sort of the external um, and then the second component of that is really sort of like the behind the scenes, everything that is functioning and like the, the machine part of it, right? Like the everything that's moving that folks are not necessarily seeing. And we have an incredible operations director, Amber Honeycutt, this year, who uh, is one of the most detail-oriented and organized people I've <laughs> ever worked with in my life. And then there's a whole team of folks who, you know, hopefully folks will interact with during the festival. For the most part, we're not like hiding behind the screens, but some people are because we have folks who are dedicated to making sure that the tech is working properly. So like there are folks who are really behind the scenes that nobody is seeing. Many of us are just sort of like floating around during the festival and making sure that everything is functioning properly. Um, so that's part of the role of the director is just sort of bird's eye view, um, keeping an eye on just everything and trying to catch things as they fall through the cracks. And then I work very closely with Amber, who's like really catching a lot of the things if they're falling through the cracks. Yeah. And then a lot of like relationship building and um, taking care of the filmmakers and just setting the tone along with the rest of the staff. After the break, Nahad shares more about how Black Star Film Festival has evolved over time. So we talked a bit about gaps, like his, historic gaps or maybe historiographic gaps that films can fill. Is there like a gap that you fill that Black Star 
fills? Oh, yeah, the Blackstar fills. I think Blackstar is attempting to fill many gaps. Many gaps. <laughs> There's a film uh, that is coming to mind right now called Still We Rise that we're screening at this year's film festival. And um, it's a film from Australia. And it's about, well, let me, let me first say, in terms of um, historical gaps, I think all of us have gaps in our knowledge of history and our awareness of it. And so in this example that I'm bringing up, this is like a particular gap that was filled for me in my own knowledge of a particular part of history. I did not know about the Black Power movement in Australia and that it is an indigenous people's movement. So indigeneity and Black Power are a movement, they're one movement. It's it's like the call for land rights and land reparations and all of that um, in Australia is led by Black Indigenous people. And it's called Black Power as a movement. And I had no idea. This was a gaping gap in my own history, my own knowledge of the world. I loved watching this movie so much. It's it's incredibly well edited because it's an archival piece. It's just like, it's a lot of archives that this filmmaker stitched together and created something really just brilliant. The filmmaker's name is John Harvey. Sorry, I just want to give him a shout out. But that was like a major gap in my own knowledge that was filled. And, and I think it's going to be a gap that gets filled in a lot of our knowledges as Americans. But it's really important for us to know in a time of rapid climate change um, that everybody is feeling to then have that knowledge about climate change and colonialism and how they're connected in a place like Australia that's seemingly far away, but yet so not really because it's on, it's on our planet, right? And the way that they were influenced by certain other things that were going on in the world in the 70s. And this is historical. This is like not today. This was back in the 70s, 80s. So that is an example of how like the, there's very specific historiography. If you're talking about historiography, the study of history itself, where Black Star is filling these gaps. And then I think there's another piece of it that's like looking at the history of cinema and is filling that gap as well, which is an important gap because the hegemonic idea is that American cinema in particular is coming from a specific place. It's a specific type. It's what, like what you said earlier, it's what, it's what most people have become accustomed to. But there's so much more beyond that. And there's so many other film movements that have happened historically that are happening now that are going to be happening moving forward. Um, so there's another type of history that we're attempting also to sort of like fill the gaps of. And then in, in focusing on disability justice too, or like trying to understand, better understand and better provide an understanding of the history of disability justice as a movement and, and how folks have like attempted to create more inclusive and accessible art spaces. And so there's, there's a lot of these other ways in which we hope to, to provide a space that can at least conserve the function for a lot of people and by a lot of people to be able to fill in multiple gaps as they exist. Mm -hmm.
Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Maybe it's just the history nerd in me, but I, I'm like, thank you for, for putting putting words to that. And I'm going to keep my eye out for that, too, because that's it's such like an important blind spot. Like you touched on so many important blind spots that we have, like you said, as as Americans, but also like there there's like an urgency, I feel like, to these stories about climate change that I, I really feel. I appreciate y'all for filling that gap. Could you talk about the uh, importance of the filmmaker lab and seminars for young folks and for emerging filmmakers? Yeah, those are two uh, newer programs that we have at Black Star. The filmmaker lab is two years old and the Black Star filmmaker seminar, the William and Louise Greaves seminar is three years old in, as of 2023. So the Filmmaker Lab, so exciting. This new cohort of three filmmakers is going to be, once again, premiering their films, their short films at Black Star. And it's been a really incredible way of finding new and creative opportunities to create uh, a new knowledge set for folks in the Philly area around filmmaking. And so on the one hand, three directors get to bring their scripts to life. They've written, you know, they submit their scripts and then they're directing them. And then there's working with them are three producers or last year it was four, four directors, four producers. Um, and this year it's three directors and four producers who are working together to like really gain this knowledge set. But along the way, there's all these other opportunities for folks to engage with different parts of the filmmaking process as you know, either DPs or, you know, producing or assistant directing or, you know, all of these like different parts of. So it's just it's it's um, creating new work, which is really fun and exciting. And then at the same time, it's also creating new ways of learning about the process of making the craft of filmmaking. And so that it's just been really excited to have exciting to have Black Star produced works now. And I have to give a shout out to my colleague, Sydney Alicia Rodriguez, who's the person who is working closely with the lab, who has been working closely with the lab fellows, just killing it. And Sydney is also, uh, Sydney also was the person who led us through the seminar this year. Um, so the seminar is this other space that's a gathering for filmmakers and it's for filmmakers at like different stages in their career. Um, and so it's sort of like the festival. It actually grew out of a symposium that we used to do at the festival. We would do it the day before the festival started, where we would invite the filmmakers to come for a day long symposium. And so that was one of the things that we were like, if we were doing this full time, we could create this as its own thing. And so out of that grew the seminar. And it's just a concentrated space that's outside of the festival happenings, which is like parties and a lot of films. And this is a space where we can focus a bit more on the discussions. We can talk about works in progress, where filmmakers have access to each other in their different stages in their career to be able to engage in a deeper level of discourse. And so we're really like, we're always piloting things at the festival and then launching them and trying to see, well, what would happen if we created a whole thing over here? The importance of them really is just, it's, it's all about creating more community in different ways. Like, how do we build out a new type of community here? How do we create another community here? How do we partake in 
creating work um, and make it possible for new black and brown filmmakers to make their work. And it's all been incredibly rewarding. And I hope for the audience too. Yeah. So what moments of joy stand out for you as you've planned this 12th year of the festival? The greatest moments of joy are like getting to know my colleagues. I really love my colleagues. I really do. (laughs) And so um, getting to know them better, spending more time with them. I usually work um, outside of Philadelphia, actually outside of the country. I do remote and then I come home for the, you know, several uh, weeks before the festival so that I'm like here while we're, you know, and then I typically am remote. And we are, our uh, staff grew a lot while I've been away these past few months. And I, the, the joy has really been around getting to know everybody, such an incredible team. And everybody is just really excited. Like a lot of folks, um, on our full-time staff haven't uh, been around for a festival in the past, not in, uh, not in a staff capacity, certainly. And so it's just been really exciting getting ready, getting everybody ready for it and really just getting to know them. And in any like down moments, downtime we have, you know, just learning about like people's pets and their families and, you know, their hobbies. And so those are definitely moments of joy for us. And moments like this, you know, where I'm getting to know you and chatting on this, uh, having this conversation. And so these are all moments of joy, just getting to know folks before, before the big day. Yeah, the big week, week, right? The big week. I know that's going to be, I know there's like the rest period after, so... Is there, Ooh, do you yes. have, uh, like, plans, like, things you got to do to rest and recharge when it's, when it's all over? We all do, yeah. I think we plan out our rest time as much, not as much as we, of course, the festival. But, you know, I, I have my books ready. Um, I'm ready to just chill for the rest yeah. of the summer after that. Yeah, yeah. good. So what lessons from your time with Black Star are you hoping to hold on to after the festival? I'm a Palestinian. And so I come from a culture of like deep commitment to hospitality and a deeper commitment to generosity. And one of the things that I w- that I value very much is this idea of radical hospitality. And I've always you know, from like birth have engaged in that kind of a culture on a personal level. But Black Star taught me how to engage with that on a professional level. level. Um, and so that feels really like home to me, you know, how to be radically hospitable in a professional setting and centering that, um, how to be very thoughtful about the audience how to think about like, what does trust mean? And to what extent are people trusting you? And how do you carry that in a way that honors the trust that people give you? How a professional setting can be different than other professional settings. I don't think, I think it's really hard for us to function outside of capitalism in this country in particular, but I think at this point, anywhere in the world. And so I never, diluted into thinking that anything we do is outside of that framework, which is just the hegemonic framework that all of us live within. 
but there's ways of doing things differently that in a professional setting that really does center at its very heart care rather than production. And that is something that I'm going to take with me. But I'm not going anywhere either. Yeah. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> He's like, take with me until I come back next year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's a lesson that we can all take with us. So I'll, I'll receive it. I'll receive it. Thank you. Is there a question that you have for your future self? I would ask myself, and I, and I think this is something that like, I always ask to my future self looking back um, after I've accomplished something or at the end of something, what, what was your proudest moment in all of that? And how could you replicate that? What parts, what do you need in order to do that again? And what can you let go of? What are you ready to let go of from that experience? Um, what was the lesson there? Okay, so what is on the horizon for you as 2024 comes at us way too fast? Um, what should we be looking out for for me? Mm, for me or from Black Star? Um, either, both. Uh, well, I think from Black Star, um, we're excited to, after the festival, um, you know, look into our audience reviews and look into our filmmaker reviews and think about like, how do we make 2024 even better? How do we do that? And then for me, uh, within the Black Star umbrella, I have some fun ideas about uh, things that I wanna do to engage folks in different ways. Um, in different countries, hopefully. And I don't want to get specific because, you know, when it happens, it'll happen. And right now I'm deep in festival mode. But yeah, thinking about like, what does it look like for us to go outside of the U.S. borders? Um, and what can we do? What are the programs that we can easily travel with? just to meet new people and engage new audiences and do it in a humble way because, you know, not in this, like, not in a way that uh, centers our Americanness, but in a way that opens opportunities even for us to be able to learn from folks who are having different experiences than us. And that's it for another episode of the Black Joy Archive. For more information about Black Star Film Festival and to sign up for their newsletter and podcast, go to blackstarfest.org. Next episode, we got something special for y'all. I'll pass the mic to my co-conspirator and fellow cultural worker, Clarissa Brooks. We went to Philly to spend time immersed in the world premiere of Freedom to Fall, a dark comedy short film written, directed, and produced by emerging filmmakers in the Black Star Filmmaker Lab. Dave Gaines and Eliza Turner warmly welcomed us into their Black Star experience, and you don't want to miss it. If you enjoyed the show and want to hear more in the future, help us grow by giving us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and by subscribing on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget to share the Black Joy archive with your friends and family. Call more Black Joy into your life and your inbox by signing up for our newsletter. Head over to Reckon.News and click on the Black Joy page then enter your email address into the sign-up box. 
we also want to hear from you. What gives you Black Joy? Let us know by finding us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and TikTok at Black Joy Reckon, or by shooting us an email at blackjoy at reckonmedia.com. This episode of Black Joy Archive was hosted by me, Mackenzie River Foy, and it's edited and produced by John Hammondtree and Danny Buckingham, with additional production by Clarissa Brooks. For more podcasts from the Reckon family, check out Reckon Radio and the Reckon Interview wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, stay joyful. Thank you.